Alright, so we just watched Seven from 1995, directed by David Fincher, uh, starring, of course, Brad Pitt, Morgan Freeman, Gwyneth Paltrow, and Kevin Spacey. Kevin, what is your rates? It is pretty pretty intense movie, though. Um, I'm going to give it 8.25. Yeah, it's, it's pretty high. It's definitely one of my favorites. Uh, I'm going to give it a uh, 9 out of 10. Nine. Mm-hmm. Damn. This is probably like my third or fourth time watching this movie, and uh, it just keeps getting better every time uh, I watch it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's my th- third time. I wouldn't say it's better every time, especially because there's a lot of plot twists. So, and there's not really that much you learn the second or third time watching it when you know exactly what's going to happen, but. It's still the gory aspects still hold up every single time you watch it, and yeah, yeah, and I think that's really what makes it uh, for me, or at least what separates it. One of the many things that actually separate it from like a, just your traditional like police procedural, um, just because of uh, there's a real gimmick to these murders, uh, and you there's just such a uniqueness to the way that each of these people die that I think really adds to the uh, story itself Um, and obviously they really want to get into deeper themes deeper themes than I think a lot of other uh, police procedurals actually end up doing you know Mm, for sure I definitely like the whole biblical aspect and then uh, good old Morgan Freeman being all thoughtful and shit the whole time was was good and Brad Pitt not doing a single productive thing the whole movie so he did some stuff What's one thing he did? Uh, he kicked in the door to John Doe's apartment. So he did an he, illegal thing. He so. did, and then he paid off a homeless person to pretend <laughs> like there was probable cause to. That was go probably in. Morgan Freeman's idea after he kicked it in. Realistically, uh, no, no. Uh, Brad Pitt specifically says, "Do we have any more money?" Uh, implying hmm. that he's going to go pay off someone, uh, which does end up happening. True. So, yeah, that's that's a pretty yeah. crucial part. Um, I mean, kind of, not really, honestly, because... Yeah, it really affects the plot in no way. Yeah, because obviously uh, Kevin Spacey turns himself in. Uh, the murder that they are, like, looking at uh, in his apartment, the like, the photo of the woman and, uh, like, the leather shop kind of all end up being dead ends because he just ends up just doing that murder while they're out investigating it still. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're really just observers of all his murders. They have absolutely no impact on the plot. Mm -hmm. Which I think is kind of the point of it all, I think. Uh, Just the fact that they're so... Not not incompetent, but there was never a way that they could really, like, uh, get one up on him. They've tried, definitely. There was, I think the closest was that... uh, that chase sequence in the middle of the, the movie when they figure out where he lives. Um, that was really only the one time that they were able to actually like figure something out and get ahead and possibly catch him, but they ended up fucking that up, honestly. Mm-hmm. So what happened there? They just got a list of everyone who took out Paradise Lost, and then they also looked at what other books the same guy took out of the library? So, yeah. So, basically, how it works is that Morgan Freeman has a connection with the FBI, uh, who have been, um, like, secretly recording 
um, library uh, like records to see who's taken out what um, and like kind of flagging certain books so he was able to he, he picked a bunch of books that he thought would be uh, something that uh, John Doe would be reading and then he w- ended up like giving it to the FBI agent okay look for people that are reading these specific things and then he came back with one specific person which honestly was pretty good luck but yeah. I love how they thought that was such an infringement of your rights and nowadays you can look at someone's internet history you can like look at their calls you can break into their iPhone yeah yeah that was, that was a simpler time in 1995 <laughs> yeah yeah no it really, it really doesn't feel like much anymore which is kind of sad when you think about it but I mean that kind of goes with the whole like darker themes of just like the entire place is is so like dark and gritty uh, I particularly love the set design for everything um, like you just really get a sense of this like dirty, grimy New York, just full of people, and all the places that they go are like run down and uh, and just broken and terrible, and it's always raining. That's that's something I really uh, noticed again uh, in this watch through. Just the fact that for like the entire week, it takes place over seven days, which is another great thing uh, about it. Um, but it takes place the entire week it rains all throughout that week and until Sunday where it ends up actually being a little sunny mm. um, is it supposed to be a dystopian New York or is it that New York was just that shitty in the 90s um, from what I've read about the film itself uh, the writer the screenwriter for this uh, he tried to go to New York to become a writer and he hated it and so that's really where the inspiration for this uh, kind of like dystopian, grimy, dirty New York came from, where everyone's sad and everyone hates being there because the writer hated being there, uh, which I think is is really good. It comes off across as a, a very cynical take on uh, just not just New York but the world in general. But I think it works really well in that crime genre, especially when you're talking about like sin and. Uh, Apathy and Morgan Freeman is already just completely like broken down, um, which obviously is very contrasted with uh, Brad Pitt's character, who has like some kind of optimism, but slowly like goes crazy about this case and succumbs to his own like carnal desires. Was Morgan Freeman broken down? I would say he's more tired about doing his job for so many years, but he wasn't like giving up on life. He was giving up on being a police officer. I mean, he was retiring. He probably served for 35 years and has a nice-ass pension. But in the end, he decides to not retire, right? Uh, Or he said he's sticking around? He he says, I'll be around, which is very vague. Uh, I I feel like he almost definitely uh, is not going to be police officer anymore but if anyone like comes to him he might help that kind of deal because he's a very smart guy you know um but yeah no he, he's definitely uh, been worn down by the system like there's so many different um like monologues that he has throughout where it just keeps talking about how like he's lost faith in, faith in people uh, there's apathy everywhere uh he hates the job because nothing ever gets done uh like he he never like puts away the people that he wants to 
uh, he, he definitely feels sick and tired of everything. Um, mm. Which obviously this case did not help with. Doesn't mean the world's not fighting worth fighting for, though. It's true. It's true. Quote. Quote Ernest Hemingway. Ernest Hemingway, yeah. Uh, yeah. That actually was um, something that they added in right at the end of filming, uh, after test screenings, to kind of placate the uh, the producers. They're like, this is too sad. Mix in one positive quote. Yeah, there's there's actually a lot of like behind-the-scenes like uh, producer squabbles specifically about the ending, um, which uh, I, I guess I'll go into now. Cause, so basically how it all worked out was uh, the head-in-the-box scene, obviously probably one of the most famous most important scenes in the entire film uh, was not part of the actual like final draft that uh, the producers agreed on. It was part of an earlier draft. The producers saw it, said, "No, that's way too dark. We don't want it." They made the screenwriter change it to some kind of a more like uh, general, like, "Oh, they they solved the case and they catch the guy," and kind of like a more traditional ending. Mm. Um, but what ended up happening is when they sent the script to David Fincher to read, they accidentally sent that earlier draft. David Fincher loved the ending and says, I'm only going to uh, direct this if you keep this ending. Uh, the producers did not like it, and there was a lot of fighting back and forth. Brad Pitt as well only agreed to do the movie if the ending stayed. Um, oh, yeah. And I, I think bet it, it was didn't happen too accidentally if the writers actually wanted that, that ending. Um, I mean, that's... Quote-unquote accidentally. I mean, it was not the writer that sends that. It's, uh, it would be, like... It, it would definitely be a production error to accidentally send the wrong draft to the director. Fair enough. Hmm. Yeah, it's interesting seeing Brad Pitt, because I feel that in movies I've seen him in recently, he's a lot more thoughtful. Like, in Fury and Inglorious Bastards. Or I guess not as much in Glorious Bastards, but... Yeah. In Fury, he's like a wise leader, and here he's just like a a stupid kid who does absolutely nothing productive or competent the whole movie. Mm-hmm. But I feel like it was good. If he was a little overplayed, but it was still a good contrast between him. Yeah. Oh yeah, the casting I think is really good for the the two detectives. Because um, I mean, obviously, like Morgan Freeman works so well in this role of just this sad, tired, old. A uh, very smart man, uh, yeah. and I think Brad Pitt really works as uh, kind of like a like an idealistic go-getter, but so prone to that rage. Like Brad Pitt is just great at being angry mm-hmm. uh, and having that like kind of like mad bravado to him. That uh, I think it works really well, and I think the big thing that really sells it, well, one of the many big things that really sell it for me, is the dynamic between the two characters. Uh, like, they just have a great chemistry, and I'm amazed that I, ha- I don't think... Have they ever been in anything else together? Mm, not that I think of. Yeah, not that I can think of, either. I feel like Morgan Freeman has great chemistry with any human that exists, so... That is very true. It's hard not to uh, like in be the best actor with Morgan Freeman around. Yeah. Because the guy in Shawshank is a really calm character, like he is, and they have great chemistry. Brad Pitt's erratic and they have great chemistry it's just mm-hmm. it's just one of a kind mm-hmm. no, it's, it's a great dynamic I really love the fact that they really don't like each other at the start 
and usually you would have that kind of like the grow to like each other buddy cop thing throughout the movie but it really ends up becoming like they end up liking each other very early on uh, so that as it goes on and Morgan Freeman really sees Brad Pitt starting to like struggle with this and starting to go down like a dark path he he kind of is his friend enough to like try and stop him at the end but it's not enough mm-hmm. um it's it's a really nice dynamic, I really think. For sure. So which was the best murder, though? <laughs> That's a good question. Uh, I think my personal favorite was Sloth. Which one? That? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the drug-addicted guy in the bed? Yeah, exactly. Um, just because that's a, that's that a great... That one's so fucked up. That's some great, like, uh, practical effects uh, on, on this guy. Um... And the practical effects on pretty much everything in there is really good, and all those murders. But I really, really enjoy what they did with uh, like that almost like near dead skeletal corpse of a of a person. Uh, just the fact that, like his lips evolved and like shriveled up, you see the teeth and his hands missing, and just all like these bed sores on him, and it's, it's disgusting. And then like that jump scare as he yeah. uh, as he like realizes he's is that one of the only jump scares in the movie? I think so. Yeah, because the first time I watched that, it scared the shit out of me. I had <laughs> no idea. Yeah, no, it's 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 a really good one. What what's your favorite murder? I mean, that one is probably my favorite, definitely the most memorable. But uh, I mean, cutting uh, Gwyneth Paltrow's head off—that's a pretty good murder. That is <laughs> we true. We don't really you, you don't you it, don't really see it, but it's. I'm it's sure very, that was uh, a great scene if it were to be filmed. What happened to the dogs? How come they didn't defend? We don't know. I mean, they were locked in that room last time we saw them. Hmm. Um, he had three big-ass dogs. He did have big dogs. What? And also, what was the relevance of the train? I'm not 100% sure, honestly. I think just another, just like, this place is shitty and terrible kind of deal. Just to show that people in New York are, like, deceptive? Uh, I yeah, I think a little bit. Like, obviously, the, the, the realtor that they had was not being very truthful with them. Uh, they kind of got conned into this place probably for more than it was worth. Um, yeah. And I think it just gives, like, a general sense. Because, obviously, Gwyneth Paltrow is very, very depressed the entire movie about being here. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, I think it, it definitely plays into her whole struggle throughout. Um, yeah. It's interesting that he said no one ever transfers into New York. Like, was New York that shitty in the 90s? Because I could think tons of people doing that now. Well, I mean, it was that specific precinct. New York has multiple precincts, I'm pretty sure. I th- I'm pretty sure it is a very, like, inner city area of New York. But he came from the country or something. Yeah, upstate is what they said, I'm pretty sure. Hmm. Um, Yeah, and I think that's kind of just over-embellishing the, the, like, sad nature of the entire thing. Like, obviously, New York wasn't like that in mid-90s. But I think... Wasn't this early 90s? Or what year? This is 95. Okay. But I think... It might even be like an alternate New York kind of deal, just because it gives it a bit more of like a specific, like theming, uh, especially when you're talking about like sin and apathy and stuff like that. 
and just the rotting of humanity kind of deal. Mm. Um, hmm. um, the, oh, and the coloring is really good too. Like the the film coloring, uh, you, you'll really see that it's got like this kind of blue sheen to everything. Uh, mm. It's always very like dark and dour. Uh, I read what they ended up doing with that is uh, they had a process called it's called a bleach bypass mm. uh, because obviously this is still filmed on like actual film uh, instead of uh, digitally, so they can't like alter it digitally at that time. So what they did was when you're developing film. Uh, you don't do the bleaching process, which keeps the silver in the film itself. Uh, so it kind of gives more of like a high contrast, so those shadows get even darker and you get a bit of a tint to it. What the, how the fuck did you know that? I read it on Wikipedia. Wow, yeah. there you go. Some top quality research. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, I think I think it plays really well into uh, the whole theming of it. And I think that's the biggest thing that everything, from the filming to the acting to like the script itself to like the set design, all really give this dark, oppressive feel to it. That title sequence obviously is mm -hmm. uh, an iconic little bit there with the uh, I think it's a Nine Inch Nails song that's being played it's over. A, uh, some real cringy kind of like scratchy noises. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think overall it has such a unique and dark and gritty feel to it that I think is uh, really uh, really uniquely interesting. Mm -hmm. So what were all the murders? There was Gluttony, the guy at the start, yeah. there's the lawyer, yeah, that's there's great. the woman with the pills. That's Pride. There's the guy fucking the prostitute. Yeah, that is Lust. Uh, and so... There was, oh, I am blanking on the, oh, Sloth, obviously, the, the bed. And oh, then yeah. the final two oh, yeah, yeah. were um, John Doe himself, yeah, who was Envy. Mm -hmm. And then uh, Brad Pitt would have been Wrath. Yeah. Fair enough. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, you know what? Kevin Spacey was right. People keep talking about this movie. Uh, years from now so true yeah imagine how many Netflix documentaries would be about this guy oh yeah like uh, I, I feel like really the, the person that wins in the end is Kevin Spacey mm -hmm. um, exactly like he completes his murders you know he goes becomes a martyr goes down to history uh, and that final like talk at the end when they're with him uh, they never really get one up on him. I feel like he kind of uh, wins that whole conversation there. Like he's the real like protagonist of the film. The protagonist. Yeah. Well, he's the it's one that's. Uh, I mean, he's he's the one that's being active. You know, the other two are just uh, proactively reacting to, well, not proactively reacting to uh, his his own murders. Mm -hmm. um, he wins in the end. Yeah. I think, uh, I mean, obviously this is why the producers didn't want uh, this ending to happen because it's just so goddamn dark. And I kind of love it. Yeah, I mean, that's why it stands apart from other movies that are similar. Mm -hmm. It's like, um, wait, what's that other one in 92 that's similarly like a CSI episode? 
Oh, are you talking about... Hannibal one? Oh, yeah, you're talking about Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, because in that one, it's just, the ending is, oh, they fucking catch the guy, and it all works out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It makes it so much better that, that it's not a positive ending in this movie. Yeah, I mean, that's based on, like, an actual book. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, they could have changed the ending if they really wanted to, you know? Not beholden to completely uh, going with the plot of a book. But, I mean, yeah. So who's the best character? Um, Morgan Freeman, definitely. Oh yeah, no doubt. Yeah. Like Brad Pitt, he's a good actor in other things. I wouldn't say this is his best performance. Mm-hmm. Just screaming the whole time, but. Yeah, like Somerset is just like a very like nice, nicely broken man that still like has a lot to to say uh, about like situation that he's in but like you can see that he's always still struggling with uh, his lot in life like there's that scene where like he sleeps with the metronome and he just like tosses it just breaks <laughs> Why it the fuck does he sleep and with then the metronome? just <laughs> I think I think it's to try and like calm him down to soothe him to kind of like give him a bit of stability as he's sleeping but he can't deal with it at this point because mm. everything in his life is so like crazy and terrible True. and he can't understand the world and so he just stays up at night tossing a, a, a knife at a dartboard that's the best part yeah so unnecessary but so great yeah no he's a dark complicated man and I think he uh, he's seen a lot and uh, he made his we'll wife get an abortion that yeah that's rude. true that, that is honestly a really good scene um where he kind of talks about how he felt like it would be cruel to bring, like, a child into yeah. that world. He and, essentially but he, said it was immoral, but he wished he did it. Exactly. Every day. And that's what I think I really like, because he's a very complicated character. So he's philosophical, not, though. Exactly. He, he has conflicting emotions about things, you know. He, he wants to retire at the same time. Like, he tells uh, Brad Pitt's character... Uh, I'm going to stay on for a few more days because that was his last day, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so he, he still felt like he had a duty to like finish the case, that kind of stuff like that. Um, and I think there, there's a lot more to the character that meets the eye. And uh, I really appreciate that. And I think he plays it really well with a lot of depth. Yeah. So who's the uh, best minor character? Uh, hands down, the chief of police. Yeah, yeah. He's he's just a a fun character, you know, like a like a bit of like an old school hard ass, uh, that's kind of like tells it like it is. Uh, he's just um, he really feels in charge. Like there's that one bit where uh, they're just talking about the murders, and he's at like someone else's desk, and a phone rings, and he picks it up. And it's like, yeah, this isn't even my desk, and just hangs up. Oh yeah. Yeah, he's he's yeah. he's a fun interlude. Oh, true. I thought you were talking about the black guy. What, what was his name? That was the district attorney. District attorney. Yeah. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Fair. He's alright. Yeah, I think... He plays really well. Good random character. Super overacted was the guy who had to bang the girl with the knife. Remember when he's getting... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he's freaking out, sweating. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, th- I think he uh, it definitely feels like overacting but I mean it's a character in shock so you mm-hmm. kind of understand where uh, the acting choice is coming from yeah Gwyneth Paltrow is a real like she was alright she was good but mm-hmm. I feel like 
it would have benefited her character if she was in it more. Like, she's really only there in two specific scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, and really only to establish her as, like, an innocent who's going to get murdered. Yeah, and they're both kind of unnecessary, just, like, r- randomly inviting Morgan Freeman over for dinner after Brad Pitt had known him two days. Mm-hmm. Well, she's the one that really cements the, their, their friendship, which I think is important. Uh, and obviously that scene in the diner where she tells Morgan Freeman that she's pregnant is very very plot relevant to the ending, but also I think very emblematic of like the themes that are being presented in the film. But it's weird that the plot only happens over seven days, but it feels like her plot takes a long time. You think? Like the fact that she just calls this random guy come over for dinner and then tells him that she got pregnant this all happened in five days she says specifically that she has no friends she doesn't know anyone he's literally the only one in the city that she knows because they just moved there so it's understandable yeah. but is she that lonely in the first week apparently like you think you'd have some have to put away a lot of shit for a week and then you'd be lonely in month two i mean her husband's away for like long long periods of time on this case uh, and she doesn't know anyone else. She has three dogs, I guess. But other than that, she doesn't have like a job or anything. Um, so yeah, I'm sure it's pretty lonely in mm. that uh, shitty apartment with the subway going by every day. Um, so yeah. I don't know what else uh, do we have to say about that? What about the what, what is the worst scene or something that you didn't like? The worst scene. Um, do you have anything specific? Because I, I don't have anything right away that I can think of. It's just the perfect movie? No, I'm sure there's something. I honestly thought there's not that much I would change. Like some of Brad Pitt's lines, mm-hmm. they're a little bit too much, and he like telegraphs what he's going to do a little bit, but I don't know. Morgan Freeman's delivery and lines are perfect. I don't know, sometimes Morgan Freeman coming to the conclusion of these cases are a little bit stupid. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, let me just look behind this painting, and then he just, like, knows everything well, within no, 12 seconds. Well, because there were clues for all of those things, right? Yeah. Uh, like, uh, the painting was specifically, there was a picture of the, district, no, the defense lawyer's wife with eyes, and they're like, oh, let's show crime scene to this woman, but that was, and she points out that the painting's upside down. That was stupid. She's in shock. She's looking at these pictures. She's not gonna actually look at the fucking pictures mm-hmm. and notice that this painting that doesn't have an obvious up or down is upside down. I think that is probably a scene that I, I think was probably a bit too... I don't even know if it's over-underacted, but it, it is a little, uh, like, forced if she's like, cry, yeah. cry, yeah, cry. And then oh, stops. wait, yeah. this. I was like, what the it's fuck? like, oh, cool, great. And then Morgan Freeman with the refrigerator mm-hmm. and finding those little pieces of floor in that guy's stomach, that was a little bit, like, oh, he just happened to look in the fridge and see the floor there. and You know, it was a little circumstantial, but... Mm-hmm. I mean, there are clues that lead into it, but still... It, it does seem a little far-fetched. Yeah, I think a bit of the police work is a little uh, too convenient, but what are you going to do in a police procedural like that? Uh, besides, the police procedural aspects themselves don't really amount to much. Um, 
it's more of like that like rally play and just the two uh, detectives bouncing off of each other and there's a lot more going on than the actual like police plot line that's going on and so I, I kind of forgive him for that a bit but I think it's probably one of the weaker elements what was the point of Kevin Spacey keeping this guy for a year why um, specifically a year? What what relevance did that have? Thomas stays in bed for a year. That's pretty sloth, slovenly. But I mean, the guy was a sloth before that. So does he really? He just wanted him to feel pain. I guess he made all the other people suffer before their death. But yeah. I mean, you could have done it for a couple months, not a year. A lot of dedication. Yeah, uh, I think they point that out too. Uh, that it takes a lot of effort to But the gluttony guy, guy, he only did it for 12 hours or whatever. I mean, sure, but... A lot of more commitment to that one murder than a, any of the other ones. I think just the, the specific sin that they're going for, I think it makes more sense to uh, make a person eat a whole bunch of food over a shorter period of time than leave someone in bed to like rot for a year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's great knowing now that Kevin Spacey goes into pools with small children. Definitely makes sense after that movie. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that real unfortunate. Wait, what is that movie that he plays the exact same character in? Are you talking about Usual Suspects? Yeah. I mean, it's not the same character. Not at all. Yeah, no, it's the exact same. Exact same acting, talks in the exact same way. Same deceptive villain. Doesn't talk in the same way. He talks identically. He has a stutter in The Usual Suspects, uh, a limp, obviously he's faking those things, but you don't actually see him like talk normally uh, after the fact. Uh, he's like a ruthless gangster instead of like a insane religious nut. Uh, it's very but different. The, the, the only, character's the only th- different. His playing of that character is identical. The only like similarity I find between the two characters is that he's the secret villain at the end. No, and he, he talks in the same slow, methodical manner. Yeah. He's deceptive. He talks like Kevin Spacey. Yeah, and I, but he plays the same villain in both movies. I, I do disagree. All right, we'll let the world decide that one. Yeah, we will. Uh, anything else you want to talk about? We were at about half an hour, uh, so Holy we shit, should wrap man. it up. Um, no, it was a great movie, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Definitely a really a great yeah. film. Yeah, I've talked about uh, as much as I want to talk about it. Yeah, definitely scares the shit out of me. I have some nightmares for sure. Oh, yeah. All right, well, we'll uh, leave it at that. Cool. And, uh, 